Uh, but God kind of sets out a, a vision of what a flourishing city looks like. And so you see things in there. People have stable housing. They have meaningful work. Uh, there's intergenerational family support. The people are a delight and a joy. There's, they're healthy physically. They're healthy mentally. Um, they have uh, reconciliation among different groups of people. And they have a right relationship with the Lord. And all this stuff is kind of set out if you go look at it. And uh, we would say, well, here's the city we are. And our city has its own needs and dreams that they articulate. And God has a vision of the city. And there's a ton of overlap between these two things. Welcome to the Generosity Now podcast, where we bring you inspiring stories of generosity and whole life stewardship. Our goal is to showcase individuals and organizations making a positive impact in our communities and across the globe. I'm your host, Eric Most, president of the National Christian Foundation, Rocky Mountain Region, and I'm joined by my incredible co-host, Lori Bosser, VP on our team. Lori, how are you doing today? Eric, we got eight inches of snow this weekend. It was beautiful, gorgeous. Today's a great day to be in the Rocky Mountains. That's right. Hey, on today's episode, we have the privilege of introducing you to, to, to both uh, two of my good friends, Ross Chapman, CEO of Denver Institute for Faith and Work, and Bob Lorkin, owner and president of Treatment Technology. Bob and Ross are both NCF givers, and Bob is on the board of directors for Denver Institute. Welcome to the podcast, guys. Thanks for having us. Yeah, it's great to be with you guys. As I mentioned in our intro, we like to showcase individuals and organizations making a positive impact in our communities and across the globe. And so today we wanted to bring you the Denver Institute for Faith and Work, an organization that, that, that we love, we love the work. And so, Ross, would you give us a little overview of the work that Denver Institute um, does and hopes to achieve? Yeah, thanks so much for having us on, Eric and Lori. It's great to be with you guys and a privilege to be with Bob as well. Um, Bob's been around Denver Institute a long time, so he can speak into this question as well. But Denver Institute for Faith and Work is a city-based uh, organization that's focused on helping people uh, connect their faith and their work. I know that sounds simple, and there are other city-based organizations like us around the country, uh, maybe one in your community you should check out. Um, and so our whole intention is thinking about, uh, as a person following Jesus, one of the ways um, that we need to be thinking about what it looks like to follow Jesus is in our work lives. Uh, we actually spend the majority of our time in our paid work. Um, and if you're retired, uh, you still do work. You may just not get paid like you used to for it. Um, but work is a gift from God. It is something that he intended human beings to do uh, alongside him for the benefit of others. And uh, we really want to focus on providing opportunities for people to ask those big questions. What does it look like? Uh, to actually live out my faith uh, in my particular profession, in my particular workplace? Um, does it look like um, sharing my faith? Does it look like creating a Bible study in a workplace? Yes, we would also say there's much more to explore um, of what that can look like, the kind of work you're doing, the, the way that you're impacting the people around you uh, based on how you treat them. And so we've, we've laid out uh, a whole bunch of ways we want to engage with people in that, which we can talk more of, but the, the main thrust is helping you think about this area of your life where you spend so much time and that God really is pleased with the work you're doing um, and that it really does contribute to his ends to re reconcile and restore all things. So Ross, would you give us a little bit of your background and share a little bit of your family? And I know you also have a few degrees behind you and also how you made your way to Denver Institute. 
Well, yeah, I'll keep it brief. I'm married to Candace. She is an amazing uh, woman who also is is helping uh, kind of rebuild the city where we came from, Evansville, Indiana. She's focused on um, her day to day work. Is you know what are the properties in this space that we could revitalize, pull people together from public and private sectors, and create some good stuff. And that is important because uh, the two of us have always been very passionate about our cities, the cities we've lived in. And we have felt strongly, um, according to Acts 17, 26, God knows the places and times where we would live. And we took that very seriously to say, what does it look like to be a person, an agent of flourishing, you might say, um, or Amy Sherman might say, has a great book by that title, uh, in the city where God has put us. Uh, and so uh, we have three boys. Um, they are 10, 8, and 5 currently, and they are a joy. And uh, yeah, we got to Denver just a year and a half ago. Before that, uh, we were in Indi- Indiana, um, and I was I had started a nonprofit there. It was called For Evansville, and I had been, because of the generosity of a business owner in Evansville, um, who basically said, I want to fund somebody to wake up every day thinking about how the churches in our city work alongside nonprofits and businesses and government to really see Evansville be the kind of city God wants it to be. Um, and uh, there was no organization, no job description, just this big idea and a guy who said, hey, I'll fund this for a little while. And so at the time we had been, we were living in Charlotte and we decided to say yes to this and move back to Indiana, which is kind of where our roots are. And so um, my uh, career journey um, has been really fun because it's been... I. I actually got ordained with seminary, thought I would go work in churches. And uh, since then, I have uh, worked in nonprofits that are really trying to come alongside and serve churches and helping them think about what does it look like for us to, for the whole church of a city to bless the city, to bless the city. And then also, as I moved into the Denver Institute role, started to think about, um, you know, what, what about the Monday through Friday work of Christians? So Maybe just a couple things I could say that would clarify that would be um, when 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 I went to Evansville to do this job, um, I spent a year listening and trying to learn the city. Um, and so I, I felt doing city exegesis was really important and becoming knowledgeable of, you know, what's going on? What do we celebrate as a city? Um, what are our barriers? Why aren't we overcoming those barriers? What is the church of Evansville like? Um, and, you know, these are questions that you could ask of your own city at any time. Um, and so what was fun was, you know, just a few years in, we were basically becoming an organization that told the story of the city that we are and contrasting, comparing that with the story of the city that God would want us to be. And we would look at Isaiah 65, uh, 17 through 25. And we would say, Hey, this is kind of poetic. It's about the new Jerusalem. Uh, but God kind of sets out a, a vision of what a flourishing city looks like. And so you see things in there that people have stable housing, they have meaningful work. Uh, there's intergenerational family support. The people are a delight and a joy. There's, they're healthy physically. They're healthy mentally. Um, they have uh, reconciliation among different groups of people, and they have a right relationship with the Lord. And all this stuff is kind of set out if you go look at it. And uh, we would say, well, here's the city we are, and our city has its own needs and dreams that they articulate, and God has a vision of the city, and there's a ton of overlap between these two things. Um, and so what we want to see is the church's calling and capacity uh, go right in the middle of those things. And that's where we can serve. And what was fun was uh, churches started saying yes to that, you know, building relationships with each other and saying, yeah, how can we do this together? What does it look like? Um, 
And my journey um, shifted when I came to Denver Institute, and it was really motivated out of this um, recognition that nonprofits and churches, which we were convening 50 to 70 of those each uh, on a regular basis, um, they were mostly focused on mobilizing people with their spare time. So a Tuesday night Bible study or serve on church Sunday morning uh, during the gathering somewhere, or maybe I volunteer at a nonprofit and all those things are really good and need to happen. Um, But I got really interested in thinking about, you know, the most human social and financial capital in the city where I was living was collectively the group of people that call themselves Christians. And 90% of them uh, were not working in a church or a nonprofit. And they were being asked to come and participate in church and nonprofit things as their definition of ministry and participating and serving the city and, and doing things that God would care about. And we know um, that God actually wants our whole life to be on mission with him, right? And so uh, I just got really energized and um, excited about the potential of like Monday through Saturday, Christians throughout the city going to workplaces uh, and and being able to recognize that as the place God has them serving for his purposes. And so I started a, a doctorate of ministry in faith, work, and economics and vocation at Fuller and uh, finally wrapped that up uh, last year um, and came and joined the Denver Institute to kind of pull these two ideas together. You know, what does it look like for the church to bless the city, to serve it uh, in a way that God would want and to mobilize people with their everyday work? in those kinds of questions. So that was a long answer. Apologize for that, but that's a big, it's a big journey, a big question. Super helpful. Uh, thank you. And we're, we're glad that you're here. I know Evansville is missing you, but we're glad, glad that you're part of uh, the Rockies here. Um, hey, Bob, uh, let me turn this over to you for a little bit. You're um, a local business owner. Um, you, you currently are the board chair for Denver Institute. Uh, you've been that for a couple of years. Uh, you support their work through your giving fund at NCF. Um, tell us a little bit about your background um, and um, why you why you care about Denver Institute. And I'd love to hear some stories of like impact that you've seen from uh, from the work of Denver Institute. Yeah, thanks, Eric. Really appreciate being here and um, the opportunity to highlight the work that Denver Institute is doing, um, not just locally but nationally and globally as well. Um, my faith and work journey is, is a long one, um, but I'll start with my family. I've got um, a, a great wife. She's a working mother. She's an attorney in the real estate field, um, focused on healthcare and transactional work. Um, and we have four kids, um, nine, seven, four, and one. Um, so we've got a, a busy household um, on the work front, on the family front, um, and then what we do um, with not-for-profits and, and serving for Denver Institute. Um, from a faith and work perspective, um, and why I care about Denver Institute is, is cause it, it encompasses most of what we're doing. Um, as Ross mentioned, you know, spending time in the workplace, um, where we, um, meet the community, spend time with coworkers, um, impact society, culture, um, and the economics of our city, um, I think just has a huge impact and the opportunity to join with community and have resources from Denver Institute to equip us to live out our faith, um, and, and help with human flourishing are just huge. Um, personally, um, I think there's a bunch of different components that, that impacted, um, my faith and work journey. There were some things, um, in my upbringing and childhood, um, my parents, um, 
did some small businesses and Christian work. Um, and that, that formed me in, in different ways. Um, and then as I, uh, started a career in commercial banking, uh, I spent 16 years in commercial banking. Um, I really wrestled my first couple of years with what am I doing? What is my purpose here? And, um, and struggled with, um, everybody around me is working for the weekend and I feel like I have a higher calling and, and a reason to be here. Um, and there was an organization, uh, it was called Marketplace One and Leadership X at the time that helped, really helped with my formation um, and understanding God's calling for, for what I was doing in the workplace. Um, and that led me to say, hey, God calls me to, to flourish and thrive through the week, not for the weekend as, as the world around us would, would portray. Um, and when, uh, Denver Institute was starting, uh, we had just moved our family to, to Colorado and Jeff Hainan and I quickly c- connected, um, and, uh, just fell in love with, with the mission and, um, expressing the theology of work, um, for our city here in Denver. And so I joined up really early and served on, um, vocation groups and other capacities, um, at Denver Institute over the years, um, which led to an opportunity to serve on the board, um, and help, help with the direction of it. That's great. And just for a point of clarity, uh, Jeff Hainan was the founder of Denver Institute and uh, and, and was uh, transitioned away after um, a, a healthy kind of uh, founder kind of start and uh, wrote the book, uh, An Uncommon Guide to Retirement, and was even wrestling with even his own place of, of work and vocation. And, and, um, and, and so he transitioned away a little over a year and a half ago, and that's what brought Ross into to the organization. And so... Um, what a great uh, story, uh, Bob, of the impact, and and also uh, just others might be interested. I mean, you're, you you mentioned your dad and some businesses. You grew up as a missionary kid overseas, and um, and your dad's written a book on um, workship um, as as well, right? So tell us a little bit about that up- upbringing as well that you've talked about, and then you're doing the same thing even with your kids. So you have the small business, but then you also have another even smaller small business. To really incorporate your kids into thinking about entre- entrepreneurship and also um, and different things, share a little bit of that. Yeah, certainly. So, from an upbringing perspective, uh, my parents were overseas um, as traditional missionaries, and um, we were in a closed country at the time. And um, they were being successful in what they were doing, sharing the gospel and and loving their neighbors. Um, and that success led to us being removed from that country on a on relatively short notice when I was a um, when I was a child and, um, they were there, um, under the guise of, of business and, and opportunities that was their visa, but they weren't really doing meaningful work and impacting the community around them. And so they were removed or we were removed as a family. Um, and that really impacted my family and my parents specifically on what we were doing, um, in the community. And so the Lord impressed upon them that it was time to actually create jobs, do good work among the people. Um, and that would actually be a really great anchor um, to be in a closed country, a reason to exist, uh, to create human flourishing and live in and among um, the lost. Um, and I think the, the, the example is of Paul and tent making where he traveled and shared the gospel. He actually did business. Um, he mended and made tents. And so the term tent maker comes from that. And so um, my parents, um, those 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 parts of my childhood um, and my parents' adult life really form them. And so they they spent a career training and coaching companies around the globe um, to 
be in closed countries, to work in cross-cultural contexts, run good businesses, to work and live among the people um, to create human flourishing. And so that's really impacted me um, and and what I do. Um, I spent you know that first part of my career in, in high finance, uh, with some of the big banks in, in the States. Um, and that was glorifying and redemptive in that work. And my brother works in a closed country um, and, and uh, runs a small business, um, employing locals um, and living out the gospel um, side by side with them. Um, and then today, I think you, you asked Eric mm-hmm. um, about my small business. Um, the Lord led me on a journey or our family on a journey um, to move out of corporate commercial banking um, and acquire a business about a year and a half ago. Um, and so that business is called Treatment Technology. We provide water and wastewater treatment chemicals throughout Colorado. And so if you have turned on a tap or flushed a toilet here in, in the state of Colorado, it's likely that our chemicals have helped treat that. Um, and uh, similarly, at, at swimming pools, we do a lot of the chlorination uh, for commercial swimming pools at rec centers and athletic clubs uh, throughout the state. Um, and that journey has been just a, a ton of fun. Um, the Lord has really provided an opportunity to um, impact, uh, first and foremost, my employees, um, change the culture, provide them um, with great jobs and benefits, um, and then a culture that um, actually rewards and celebrates the work that they do. Um, and to me, that that comes as second nature or just really important as um, as we're believers in, in the workplace. Um, but the difference that I hear them express from where they've worked before, um, it really saddens me. Um, they've worked in some really challenging environments where they're not cared for or used, um, maybe exploited is too strong of a word, um, but in a place where they're valued um, and seen as people and cared for, not just from a work perspective and what they do for me, but for their entire families, um, is I think how the Lord would have us, um, how the Lord would have us share his love um, and, and how he would have us interact as people. Um, so that's a ton of fun. Um, and then bro- more broadly for Denver Institute, um, the community um, that Denver Institute creates and the people that you run into, um, I think it's really key for Christians to, to do business together, uh, create opportunities, uh, create human flourishing, improve our city. Um, all of that ties together. And, and I lean on Denver Institute for, for resources. When I've got projects that I'm working on at the business, that's the Rolodex that I reach out to. Um, and it just spurns us all forward. Bob, you just highlighted and probably explained to some people that are um, new to this idea of the faith and work is the way that you're doing that is you're working in a business that doesn't really have a faith purpose, but you're bringing your faith to work every day in the way that you treat your employees, the way that you work with your vendors, and the way that you interact in the community. And that truly is that every day is letting our faith be seen not by prophesizing, not by evangelism, but by our character and our integrity of how we are working with others. And that's what I see is that whole piece of, on a practical basis, so many of us are going to work in corporate America, small businesses, that we can be different. We can show the gospel by who we are and how we act in a positive way and really influence all of those people. You turned around the culture at your company, but not in a way that was advertising it. It was by the everyday treating them with dignity 
And I really appreciate that example and helping people to hear that. Yeah, I, I, would, I would say that, Lori, um, our businesses might not be faith-focused or faith-centric, but but our whole life is intended to live the gospel. And so whatever we're doing, whether that's in our business or in our personal lives or, or whether I'm spending time serving at church, um, all of those are how the Lord would have us live. And so, um, you know, I think that there's redemptive components that you can find in in almost all businesses. There are there are certainly businesses that are not not redemptive and um, in a bad place, but whether that was in banking, providing capital and allowing people to buy homes and businesses and create jobs um, and lift the poor out of poverty, or here in water and wastewater treatment where we're, we're providing life. Jeff Hainan, uh, the former, the founder of Denver Institute um, and former CEO, um, actually does some work for us at, at Treatment Technology. And he's put on his LinkedIn profile as, uh, we provide life-giving water, um, just not in as sexy of a context as a uh, third world country. But that's what we're doing here in Denver. Uh, the fact that you have clean water to drink um, and the rivers and streams are are good for fishing um, and, and life uh, is what we do. And so there's redemptive components to um, all kinds of industries, whether that's healthcare, education, um, law, all of those are glorifying to the Lord. Ross, you and I have had a bunch of conversations about um, how um, work can and should intersect with our faith and vice versa. And so uh, would you, you know, flesh that out uh, a little bit more even? Yeah, I think we start with the very beginning. Um, the first five words of God's self-disclosure to humanity about who he is. In the beginning, God created. In the beginning, I worked um, is another way you might look at that uh, that we don't typically think of. And uh, quickly moving to the end of chapter one, after God's created uh, creation, he makes human beings in his image. And if he's a worker, and that's the first thing he said about himself, uh, we can think there might be work for us to do as well. And it's actually even better the news than that, because the very next verse after he makes male and female in his image is an assignment of what the work actually is. It's a blessing, actually. He It's frames. He blesses them and then says, be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth, subdue it, rule over it. Um, you could say it's a job description, uh, but it's much more than that. It's actually our vocation. And I loved how Bob articulated this. A uh, great, incredible example of what this can look like because you take the big V human vocation that God gave at the very beginning. Um, and Jesus, of course, came and fulfilled this unlike any other human being and kind of set the example for us. Um, and, you know, he spent a lot of time as a craftsman, um, just making good stuff. Um, you know, and Paul, as Bob mentioned, was a tent maker. You know, I can't really imagine them doing a crappy job <laughs> in, in the work that they were doing. That would be hard to imagine. But, but Jesus comes and he uh, expresses what it actually means to be human is to participate with what God has given. He says, you know, God says, hey, let's, let's rule over this together. Let's, let's bring greater life out of the thing that I've made. And, you know, like every good job description, um, it doesn't uh, leave us wondering if we've done a good job at the end of the day. He has a goal in mind. And that's the end of the story. Revelation 21, there's this new city coming down out of heaven. So you see these three movements throughout the whole narrative that's like God creates, he comes down and he makes humanity uh, right out of the stuff that he had made and his breath of life and gives them a job. Then Jesus comes down 
as a human being, flesh and bone, fully God, fully man. And then the city comes down at the end. And so there's this coming together of heaven and earth and our uh, human responsibility, what it means to be human is wrapped up with this idea of uh, bringing these two uh, realms together in ways that are visible. And one of the best ways we get to do that is through our daily work uh, where we, we provide life-giving water to people around us uh, where we uh, make sure there's power to like do all the stuff we're doing right now. We like I ate this morning and I did no work to have what I had in my hands to just eat. And it is through all of those jobs that God continues to sustain and continues to give us a foretaste of what it will be like in that new city. And so what I what I one encouragement or framing that you might consider in this intersection of faith and work is all of God's people have one vocation together. Let's call that a capital V vocation. And that's to participate. It's to be in Christ first and to participate with him in his mission. But then we all have like little V vocations that we go out and we do, whether that's in our family life, the neighborhood we live in, or the jobs that we get to do over our lifetime. Um, those are opportunities, little V vocations to express the big V vocation. And when we get a chance to really do that, I think is when people go, man, this is a way more compelling vision of life and work than what is being currently offered by society. And people start to experience that. You know, I love, Bob, that you guys have articulated bringing life-giving water to Coloradans. Um, you know, like the actual work that your team does, you know, might be might feel pretty distanced from that like lofty thing, but that's still true. Like you guys really do that. And you have found ways to create a sense of purpose and meaning and love and care and dignity in your work in a way that the gathered church on Sunday morning can't do for your employees and your customers. Um, and so they're getting a taste of the life God really intends by the good work that you guys are doing. It's really cool. Yeah. I've, I've heard you guys talk about, um, the idea that society lacks a compelling purpose and vision for work. Uh, you, you just hinted on that even, um, and Denver Institute sees a future where every person's work brings hope and life to their city. Uh, hope and life are some power, power packed words. Uh, would you break those down for us a little bit? Yeah, well, I think it's it's helpful too to just reflect. Like, do you think society pre pre presents a compelling vision and purpose for work? You know, we've kind of decided that's like the big problem that gets us up out of the, out of the bed in the morning. Like, that's what we want to. That's what we want to work on. Um, and so, we think the future of what it will be one day is that every person's work can bring hope and life to their place, to their community, to to a workplace, to their neighborhood to their city um and hope and life we chose those words because sometimes in um our christian circles we use words like redemption flourishing restoration of all things and they're deeply meaningful but sometimes they just kind of go in one ear and out the other because we've heard them so much hope and life also resonate with everybody on this planet um hope you know we we think work ought to be a place of hope um, and sometimes we just feel hopeless in our work. Um, you know, maybe it's the kind of people you're working with. Maybe it's the fruitlessness and the toil of whatever it is that you're trying to create and do in the world. Um, but we want, we know that there is hope 
that that will uh, have some eternal value. Um, that could look like helping people know Christ, but it could also eternal value be helping people experience life as God intended it a little bit more. And then life, you know, that's Jesus said he came to bring life to the full John 10, 10. Um, and also in John, he, he said that he, he came to offer himself for the life of the world. And when he says that he's talking about the bread of life. And I love that metaphor because think about what it takes to have bread. Um, I had a blueberry muffin this morning for breakfast. Um, and you know, bread is a, is a cooperation between God and humanity that results in a, in a, in a thing that we need to experience a rich life. And it's just a great image because God provides the grain. He provides the rain that produces this thing that then we take and we, we take the grain and we make bread out of it. Um, and so it's this cooperation. It gives us a great image of a piece of bread can offer hope to people. And if you're the person delivering it, what an awesome experience. Um, but it also brings life. And so Jesus himself's offering his life for the life of the world. And we get to take up that same calling, that same vocation to say, we get to offer all of ourselves, including in all of the time we spend at work, as bread for the life of the world. Hope and life are are, are great concepts, and that's what God, Christ brings to the world. That's what he did in, in um, sending Jesus Christ to, to the earth to live a full life, to live a perfect life, and to, to, to die for our sins. Um but the hands and feet that actually execute on that for humanity is is done through the work, like making making your blueberry muffin, as you said. And so we're connecting those dots in in being the Lord's hands and feet um, in in creating opportunities, um, in lifting poor out of poverty, solving solving issues, um, whether that's housing issues, whether that's um, joblessness um, and all of those things. And so I'm excited where Denver Institute is heading um, in, in convening and catalyzing and impacting some of the issues. So we've historically spent a lot of time on the theology um, and um, some of the intellectual components, um, but we want to equip and go and be those hands and feet in our city and beyond. So Denver Institute's desire, as you were talking about, um, Bob, is that you do want to prepare people to serve God and others in that daily work in, um, so that things are the city, workplaces, people, all of that is transformed. And what are the ways that Denver Institute does that? Well, I can say a couple and then Bob can as well. Um, you know, one of the things we've done here in the Front Range well is just convene people around the conversation. Um, and you know, as many of you know, when you convene a group of people that care about the same questions, um, really cool connections start happening. Relationships form. Um, we've had uh, people meet each other and launch a business together um, just by coming to events um, that we're hosting. Um, and so that's a big part of it is like, how can we help Christians who are asking these questions about work find each other in our community? Um, another one was, you know, we want to cultivate a renewed imagination for work. And so the ways we do that are we have a podcast. We have two podcasts, actually, um, the Faith and Work podcast and another one called Teach Us to Pray. Um, that's really giving people a chance to hear from um, thought leaders and practitioners um, that are really wrestling with these questions. And I love listening to the practitioners, especially because 
they've figured out what this looks like in their day-to-day work. I mean, you're getting to hear from Bob a little bit about what this looks like at Treatment Tech. Um, and there's a lot more to explore there. And if you do similar work, man, wouldn't it be great to hear more and like share stories and what's worked and what hasn't um, and, and ways that you're moving forward in that. So we do that. We also have um, a nine-month fellowship program that we've had for the last nine years. That's for kind of early career people where they do a deep dive on spiritual formation for their whole life professional development in their specific work and a robust understanding of God's view of work and justice and what he's doing in the world. Um, we also do a couple big events of the year that allow more people into this conversation. Uh, one of them uh, that we're really excited about that um, maybe is a bit unique to something Denver Institute does is some, something called Women Work and Calling. It's really focused on how do we help women steward their whole public uh, roles, uh, whether that's work or something different, um, their paid work, you know, for uh, God's purposes in the world. And so those are some of the ways, but I would say the the main idea is we want people to start practicing and learning from one another. So our role is, is kind of pulling people together, helping them ask some questions about work, and then encouraging each other to like catalyze some redemptive action in their actual workplace. Like, what does it look like? Um, and so it's been fun to sort of get to know the Denver Institute community and learn that people have been experimenting with some things in their workplaces and trying to highlight those stories. So um, the other thing I would just say, and Bob, feel free to add, you know, as an institute, um, I think our responsibility really is to try and find um, the best ideas out there, like case studies that we can and sort of platform them, highlight them and say, hey, if you're in healthcare, here's four people uh, that we've connected with here in the front range that are really doing something cool with how they're thinking about their faith interaction with their work and trying to identify those different areas. So we have all kinds of content on our website uh, that I would love to mention too. Like before my time even, uh, there are seven or 800 blog posts that you can check out from every kind of different industry. Um, we've just released three books in the last three months uh, through Denver Institute um, that are all uh, accessible kind of starting points um, for thinking about these questions. Uh, one's focused on women, one's focused on a very brief overview of faith and work 101 concepts. And the other one um, is more focused on a, an inward journey of how work might be shaping you and how work is an opportunity to participate uh, with God in a, in a way that maybe you hadn't thought of before. Um, for me personally, um, the community and the resources are, are the largest component, um, in, in the workplace. Um, it's not always easy. Uh, often it's hard. A work is, we live in a sinful world and, uh, our work in, in various industries is broken. What it's like to serve in, in potentially dark places or hard and challenging situations and how to look at that from a biblical lens. Um, and, um, and how to approach those. Um, and so whether that's the faith and work classroom, um, there's been great resources there, um, or the people that you run into and interact with, um, to, to really iron sharpen iron. Um, so it's been really good for really good for my heart and soul. And, and I think the Lord has been really gracious in allowing, um, our family to participate in Denver Institute because it's given so much to us. Yeah, some of the most encouraging um, kind of gatherings uh, that I go to in the year is uh, Business for the Common Good, which is coming up here in uh, in March. And so this episode drops at the end of February. 
Um, you'll actually still have time if you listen quickly. You have you you have no time to to uh, to get a ticket and come to business for the common good, or get an air, air airline and come uh, to business for the common good. Um, it's it's such a fun uh, time. It it almost feels like a family reunion though too of connections when I show up there. And then also women working calling as you mentioned um, in November is uh, and that's one that has um, multiple cities um, are having watch parties across the country. So there might be a city. Uh, if you're if you're listening on the East Coast, there's there, there there's likely a city close to you or closer to you that you can go and be a part of uh, the Women Working Calling uh, conference as well. Yeah, Eric, I'd just add um, another uh, initiative that was started here at Denver Institute um, a handful of years ago. It's called CityGate, and um, it's become a kind of a peer learning or a group or community or network of organizations similar to ours who are asking the same kind of questions and. Well, I'd love for you to check out our content. If you're not in, if you're not in the front range, if you are in the front range, I'd love to connect with you actually in person sometime. Um, but if you're listening somewhere else, um, you know, CityGate can be a great opportunity to connect with some of those organizations that might be closer to you that are asking the same questions and providing tools and resources. And um, we love doing that because we love getting better. And we love asking our... Um, our peers in other places, like what's working, you know, what do you, what's, what's going well, what are people saying? How, how are people thinking about their work and their faith where you are? And so that's been really fun um, as well. That's great. And you mentioned the podcast earlier, by the way, um, it was a joy. Uh, I was on your podcast not too long ago. And so uh, you can go and uh, listen to their podcast and uh, listen to our episode. We kind of got more into detail on on um, strategic giving strategies, sometimes something that we actually don't talk as much about here on, on the Generosity Now podcast. Um, and so uh, go take a listen for sure. Uh, we had a guest. We were a uh, we were starting a new platform uh, that we were recording for our for our podcast, and we had our uh, had one of our guests, and we were having some issues with some some audio. And I said, "Hey, would you just play some music or something like that um, for us in the background?" And and uh, and and this guest uh, said, "Well, let me go ahead and just turn on the next podcast I'm listening to." And it was the the Teach Us to Pray um, podcast with Jeff Hoffmeyer, which was a, a lot of fun to see and and to hear uh, one of our guests from across the country who was who was listening into that. And it's such a such a good um, uh, such a good podcast that Jeff does. We we were just chatting a second ago, and and you're like, hey, I really have some thoughts on um, uh, abundance and generosity and its impact and fleshed out. Would you would you go ahead and share those with our with our listeners? Yeah, Eric. You know, I think biblical themes run throughout um, how we're to live our lives, and abundance and generosity is a key theme um, throughout Scripture. Um, I think about the blessings um, in the Old Testament um, that that. In covenant, the Lord uh, provided to Moses and Abraham and Isaac and Jacob. Um, and in return, in that covenant, we're to um, live in, in, in terms of abundance and generosity. And so we try to incorporate that at treatment technology and um, how we reward and um, appreciate our employees. And we also do that with our customers and um, in appreciation for the business that they that they bring with us and the partnership that we do. Um, and I think that that a flowing of abundance and generosity is is just a thing that impacts our entire city. Um, so it's been fun incorporating that at our business. Um, and I know that that's a huge thing for what you guys do day in and day out. Um, and so um, just wanted to express that a little bit. Eric, if I could, I'd love to tell your listeners about two more things. And if it doesn't fit, that's totally fine. Sure, uh, go ahead. But yeah, we, we're excited to launch something called Denver Redemptive Labs uh, this quarter. 
and it's really focused on the the ecosystem that would support um, entrepreneurs in the front range. And so entrepreneurs who are really thinking about how do I shape this this new business that I want to create, um, like fully and holistically around faith and it being a redemptive venture in the world. And so we're we're actively looking for entrepreneurs who are faith oriented and want a community to come around them. And we're going to be finding mentors and uh, bringing people who invest, not to say that they would invest, but to say they have experience and there'll be um, people who would be great guides. And so if that's you in this place, we'd love to connect with you. We're, we're partnering up with an organization called Praxis Labs, that's based in New York City, a really great organization. If you haven't connected with them, totally worth checking out. And then a second opportunity um, in the front range, we're partnering with an organization called Made to Flourish, which is based in Kansas City. And they focus um, on helping churches think about how does uh, how do we help people th- um, be equipped and prepared to go um, serve God and others in their daily work, but from a church perspective, you know, what does this look like in the life of my home church? And so if you're a person who's kind of wondered like, hey, I, I think there's like a disconnect between uh, what I experience at church and then like what I go do Monday through Friday, um, we're partnering up with Made to Flourish to, to work with some churches here uh, coming up in April. Um, and it'll be part of a, a larger strategy that Denver Institute has. Uh, one of our goals is to work alongside 25 churches over the next five years and really ask these kind of questions. Like what, what's the best way to equip people for the work of ministry that God's given them to do at work. Uh, and so we're real excited to do that. So if you you uh, are a church leader or if you are a person who might uh, want to talk to your church leader about this, we'd be happy to sit down, grab coffee with you um, and talk talk about that. That's great. And uh, to get more information about Denver Institute, it's denverinstitute.org. Denverinstitute.org. All right. Well, guys, thank you so much for being here. For more information on Denver Institute, go check them out there. There's also going to be a link in the show notes to that and their podcast, as mentioned before, um, in their books. Um, And for more information on us, please check us out at ncfgiving.com forward slash Rocky Mountains and generositynow.org. Please go ahead and subscribe to our podcast. Leave us a five-star review and share it with your network. And today's doxology is going to come to us from uh, John chapter 15, verse 5. And Lori's got this for us. I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. That's right. Amen and amen. Hey, Bob and Ross, it has been great to have you. It is great to see how you are just championing and activating people um, to be able to show their faith at work. Well, thanks for having us on. 